We have uh, just begun this journey. We're going to be uh, kind of looking at the Gospel of John for, uh, for kind of the better part of a year and uh, looking forward to uh, kind of walking with Jesus and following him together with John. John was one of his best friends. Uh, we're going to see at the end of the book uh, that, that when Jesus is on the cross, all of his friends have scattered and there's just family there. And who's standing next to his mom? Uh, it's John, the beloved disciple uh, at the Passover, that final meal with his followers. Who is Jesus reclining next to and, and sitting beside? It's John, the, the disciple that he loved. And so it's kind of John writes from a pretty special place. Uh, he had a relationship, a friendship with Jesus um, that uh, uh, few others had. Um, maybe we could even say that no others had because of um, just how um, close they uh, were. But uh, John is writing with one singular goal. He wants us to see and understand who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, and that by believing in him, that he is the, the Messiah, the Savior, that by believing in him, that we might have life in his name. And I want to just begin um, the passage that we're looking at this morning with a question. Uh, how did you get here? How did you get here? Now, you know, on the most basic level, kind of the most simple level, some of you might be like, well, I, you know, I got in my car and uh, I drove here, right? Some of you live close. Some of you walked here. Uh, it was a nice, beautiful, happy fall, by the way. I think we're officially in fall. Uh, that's what I was told this morning, 2 a.m., like the other day or something like that. I don't know how they figure out that exact time, but, you know, it's a fall day. So if you live close, some of you uh, walked here. Uh, I know some of you uh, rode your bike here. Uh, so there's ways that you kind of traveled to get here. So that might be one of the ways that you answer the question. But what if I kind of ask it a little bit more on kind of a deeper level? Like, how did you get here? Like, what, what, what brought you to this place? What brought you to a uh, city on a hill? What brought you to this place in your life, in this spot that you're sitting here and your Bible is open and you're, uh, you've just sung some songs to Jesus and you are uh, here in this group of people here in this church body? Like, how did you get here? And, uh, you know, depending on how far back we go, I'm guessing at some point somebody maybe told you about Christ uh, maybe somebody invited you to church today. Uh, maybe you're new to the area and you're looking for a church body, a church community to uh, connect with or get involved with. I meet people all the time that come here because they are trying to figure out life. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, sometimes people walk in here after walking through a difficult season and, and they, they tell me, they're like, everything that I've tried lately isn't working and so I thought I'd give this a try. I thought I'd give scripture a try. I think I'd give Jesus a try. I think I'd give the church a try. There's lots of reasons why people get here. So I'm just wondering, like, how did you get here? Like, think for a second back on your life. Like, what brought you to this spot and how did you get here? My hope is um, that all of us are here or could at least acknowledge the way that we're here is because God is working in some way. Whether you can put your finger on it exactly when, maybe that's fairly recent, or you can see his leading for a long season of time, long period of time, you are recognizing that he is the one that is orchestrating things. He is the one that has brought you to this place. As we walk through the story of Jesus as told by the author John, what we're going to see is that there's these followers. Uh, we know them as disciples. Um, they were uh, uh, 
several men that followed after Jesus. There was both men and women, but there's particularly 12 that get highlighted uh, the most. They were the closest followers, the, uh, the 12 disciples as we know them. And, and each of the gospels tells a little bit different account of how they were first called. And if you've read some of the other gospels, we've said before that John's a little unique in the, in the way that it kind of explains the different stories and the narratives. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, as they talk about the, the, the disciples, they sort of jump right in. And, and you kind of, you see that these men kind of drop everything and begin to follow Jesus. And you're like, well, wait, what happened? Like, is that it? That was the first encounter? That's how it happened? Well, what we actually see is John gives a little bit of the backstory, a little bit of kind of the, the preceding interactions that happen before uh, they drop nets, before they start following Jesus. And what we're going to see this morning is uh, really the starting point for uh, several of these followers of Jesus, several of these disciples. And I've titled the, the sermon this morning, Come and See. Come and see. This is the invitation that, God, that Jesus gives to those that would come after him. He says, come and see. And as we kind of walk through this, what we're going to see is, is similarly, like you might have had a starting point with Jesus that you can kind of point to and see. Maybe today's the starting point, but you might have a starting point with Jesus. But, but at some point, there was this invitation of kind of come and see who God is. Come and see who Jesus is. And you were invited into this. Well, we're going to see the starting point of how these, these men began. And here's our big idea this morning. This is going to kind of carry us through our passage this morning. It's, it's this. It's that our starting point with Jesus might look different, but the invitation is to come and see. We're going to meet several different men that kind of come from different places, but even though they're coming from different places, there's this invitation that Jesus gives them to come and see. This isn't just Jesus' invitation. This is, again, we said John's invitation. So we're still kind of warming up the engine, right? We're kind of getting into the narrative that John has. And with his specific goal in mind that we would come to know and understand the miracles of Jesus and that believe that he is the Messiah and that by believing that we would have life in his name, what John is doing for us this morning, he's giving us an invitation that we would come and see. Come and see who this Jesus is. And so we're going to look at this. I love this passage. I love seeing, um, I'm, I'm like a sucker for an origin story, you know, like, I, you know, when you're talking like superheroes, that sort of thing, like, I love the, the origin story. I love kind of the, whenever they go back and kind of make that original. So that's what we're looking at this point. This is kind of the origin story for uh, some of these disciples. And so uh, before we go any further, let me just pray and ask that God would um, teach us now as we get ready to look at his word together. Would you pray with me? Our God, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for the scripture that we hold in our hands. Lord, it is your word uh, to us. God, your word for us. Um, this is, um, God, your, uh, your written uh, word that we might know you and that we might have an understanding of who Jesus is and what he did. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just show us, remind us, teach us, maybe some of us for the first time, God, that we would see who you are and the way that you have worked. And so, Lord, I pray that you would direct our understanding now. Uh, God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, Lord, hearts to apply, and God, listen uh, to what it is that you are saying to us this morning. God, we thank you again for the truth that we find here. We pray that you'd lead us now by your spirit, and we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in John. We're chapter one. We're finishing up chapter one. This is week three in our study. Let's look at verse 35 uh, together. This is where we kind of left off last week. 
It says this, the next day, John, that's not John the author, John. We're gonna meet like nine Johns as we go through uh, the book of John, okay? So we've gotta keep our Johns straight. This is John the, baptize, the baptizer, the Baptist. Uh, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus and as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. All right, here's the first thing that we uh, see this morning. We're going to see the way that Jesus interacts with uh, these that would seek to follow him. And the first thing that we see is this, is that Jesus invites the curious. He invites the curious. We said last week that the, uh, John had some disciples that had begun to follow him. Uh, there were uh, some men and women that were uh, kind of in his camp and, and, and sitting under his teaching and following his direction. And, uh, and that's exactly kind of what happened was Jesus is there, right? There's a string of days that we kind of see. Jesus is there and John says, look, that's the Lamb of God. What he's saying is that's the sacrifice that God has sent. And, and I don't know at that time, I, I, I'm pretty sure because John later was a little bit confused as to the suffering servant, but he knew in some way that this was the provision that God had sent, that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was the lamb that God had sent to take away the sins of the world. He didn't know how, he didn't know, understand all of it, but he knew that this was God's sent one. And upon Directing his disciples toward them, they heard him and began to follow Jesus. See, again, we're still kind of beginning our study of John, so there's some things that we need to point out and understand that are going to serve us well as we walk through this. Every time that John talks about following, he's not just kind of talking about like, you know, hanging close behind and sort of walking behind. That certainly is what was happening here. But every time he's talking about following, it's more than that. He's talking about discipleship. Do we understand this word discipleship? Discipleship is all about teaching someone, unpacking with someone more and more about the teachings of Christ, the, uh, what it means to follow him, applying it to their life, teaching them in such a way that they would begin to follow Jesus more closely. And so when we talk about a disciple, it's someone who's following after, someone who's seeking to be like and to learn from and to listen to. And so what's happening is these two disciples of John begin to follow, want to be discipled by Jesus. And so in a physical sense, they were following him, right? Jesus is walking, and it says that Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? Okay, this is the first time that we have seen Jesus speak in the gospel of John. John doesn't ever waste words. One, it was like financially like expensive, like paper, ink, all of that hard to come by. So in, in, when John's writing, you didn't just kind of like go through you know, the paper. My kids need to take a lesson from that. The number of reams of paper that we go through in our house are just incredible. They think that it, it grows on trees, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was just, just for free to this morning. So like that, very different, right? John's not just kind of cranking through the paper, very specific with the words that he uses. And so this is, this is a big moment. This is the first words that Jesus has spoken in his gospel account. And he asked this question, what are you seeking? 
See, again, one of the things that you have to see about John, what did we say the very first week? John is one of the more heavenly, spiritual gospels. So there's things, he's asking that question on a physical level. Hey, guys, why are you following me? You guys looking for something? What do you want? But he's asking so much more than that. He's asking on a spiritual level, he's saying, what are you looking for? What are you seeking right now? Could you imagine being asked by the creator of the universe, the son of God, hey, what are you looking for? What do you want? I mean, what a penetrating moment for that question to be asked. I mean, he could see, he knew, he understood what they were after, but did they, did they know what they were looking for? See, I think it's such a good question to ask, and and that's kind of what I, you know, sort of led with the question, how did you get here? I think another good question is, what are you seeking this morning? Like, why are you here? What are you after? What do you want? It's a really good question to ask ourselves or to be asked of by uh, Scripture here. It says, what are you seeking? Because they were looking for something. They were following him. They wanted to be discipled by him. Let's go on and kind of see how this transpires. They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. That's quite a declaration, right? He hadn't necessarily started going by Rabbi just yet, but they could acknowledge that they had something to learn from him. So this is this kind of uh, reference of deference and, 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 and kind of respecting who he was and what he had to bring. Rabbi, where are you staying? There's a reason they're asking this. Notice again, this kind of interesting note. He said to them, come and you will see. And they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Again, John doesn't waste words. Why would he point out the time of day? Do we care? Like, what's the, <laughs> what's the point of it being the 10th hour? Well, if you understood the Roman culture, uh, nothing important happened after the 10th hour. They would kind of track hours by when the day began. So this is somewhere around maybe 4 p.m. And uh, Caesar, it is said, did not start a war uh, because it was after the 10th hour. And so what they're seeing, what they're doing, is they're recognizing uh, that this is something significant. What are we seeking? Well, we're seeking the Messiah. We're seeking you. We're seeking what it is that you have to bring. And so if we're going to do this, we're not just kind of flirting with it. We're not just kind of checking it out. We want to really invest in this. We want to know. And so because it was after the 10th hour, right, it's late in the day. They're like, we can't start this now. We need to invest in this. We need to know. And so kind of what we understand is they, they spent the day with him, but then they, they, stayed, they stayed with him for the whole day and then for the night so that they would be able to continue to follow and understand where he was. They were curious, right? They wanted to know. But notice, what did we say? We said, Jesus invites the curious. What did Jesus respond when he said that? He said, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. This is an invitation that God is giving. This is an invitation that Jesus is giving to these men. This is say, if you wanna know, you wanna know who I am? You want to know what I have to teach? You want to know what it means to follow me? He's like, come and you will see. Begin to follow me. And listen, I just want to kind of pause there and just say, this is the invitation that Jesus gives to all who are curious. Some of you have been with Jesus for a long, long time. You've been following Jesus for longer than you can remember. Others of you, that journey is fresh and it's new and you can point back to the last several months or years when that journey began. Whatever the case, I'm guessing that when you first came, it was a curiosity. Maybe it was the curiosity of a child. Maybe it was the curiosity of an adult. But you came with some sort of curiosity. And what you found when you came to Jesus is that you found that there was this invitation, hey, come 
and you will see who I am. You will understand what I have to bring. And that is the invitation. He says, come and see. He's, he's inviting them to follow him directly. And see, this is where I think we get off so many times or we're kind of like off course, off base, is that so many people are curious about Jesus, but they go to all the secondary sources, right? They, 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 they talk to people, they read books, they read books about the books, they read all these other things, but they don't go to the source itself. They don't look at Jesus himself. See, what John is trying to do is give us an accurate picture that we would understand who Jesus is so that we'd be able to see him from himself, from his mouth, right? From his actions, from his motives, that we would see who is Jesus himself and that by seeing we would believe and that by believing we would find life. And so I just want to say, and this is an invitation that is present every single Sunday as we gather here. The curious are invited here. Right? You don't have to walk. Sometimes I think we, we feel that we have to like walk through these doors and have it all figured out. Right? Hopefully, if you spend any time, length of time around this church, and I hope this never changes. Right? Many of you are here because there's people that are real that are here. We're not trying to pretend that we have it all figured out or have it all together. That's where we all start. We all start in the place of just curiosity, trying to figure it out. And so it's okay to not like have all of the books of the Bible memorized. If I'm honest... I sometimes mix them up too. I don't know. Like, I'm like, I've been to Bible school. I know I've memorized this like probably 17 different times in my life and I still get all those minor prophets mixed up in the order, okay? Like, it's okay. Like, you don't have to have it. I find myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to the table of contents here. We're just gonna get, like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's okay. It's okay to do that. You don't have to have it all figured out, but the invitation is come and you will see who Jesus is. He invites the curious I would say this similarly, if you're here and you're curious, that's great. But I would also think about who around you is curious, who around you needs to be introduced to Jesus, right? That's exactly where we see it go next. And uh, let me give you the point and I'll show it to you um, uh, in the text. It says, Jesus engages the compelled. He engages the compelled. Look at what happens next. They began to... Uh, follow after him. In verse 40, it says, one of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. See, there's another John told you. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Jesus engages the compelled. So here we get a name for the two. Before this, it just says, right, two of them that were following John. Um, one of the names is said. So we meet the first uh, disciple is named here. And it says that he is Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. What does this tell us? Again, we said this was like written much later in John's life. Simon Peter was the leader of the church. And so he was well known by this point in time. And so Andrew, poor Andrew, uh, that's how he was known. Oh, you're Peter's brother. Right, Simon Peter's brother, got it. Yep, now I, now I know who you are. Um, but, but, but I'm sure, because they're brothers, right? I know how it works in my house growing up when I, I grew up with all brothers. Uh, Andrew was probably quick to always say, but I was the one who introduced you, right? Remember that? Remember that? Because Andrew heard about it first, and what did he do? He's like, I gotta tell my brother, right? He goes and he gets Simon Peter and he brings him, and what does he say? He says, hey, we found the Messiah, like, they've been waiting forever. 
For 400 years, there hasn't been a prophet. They've been reading the prophets, scouring the scriptures, looking for this promised one that God was going to send. He says, he's here. We found him. Messiah means Christ. He said, we found the Messiah. And so what did he do? He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus, upon seeing Simon Peter, he recognizes where he was at, what he was ready to do, who he was going to be, and he engages him in the mission, and he renames him. He renames him. So we don't often think too much about our names, like some of you maybe perhaps have a nickname that you um, went by, and some of you have a nickname that you go by. I think it's always funny when you like, know somebody forever, and then you find out that their name isn't actually their name, whether it's a nickname or a, a you know, a... Um, you know, a middle name or something like that. Um, I, uh, man, I, I found out like some of Bree's family like goes by middle name. And then, like I was married and knew them. And I like, found out later, I felt like so betrayed. I'm like, wait, that's not your name? You know, like, because they had a different name. But we, we use names in kind of different ways. Names meant something in this part. So when Jesus is naming, uh, when he's naming uh, uh, Simon, he gives him this name Cephas. That's the Aramaic version. Um, it's translated for us. Peter is the Greek version. Both of them mean the same thing. It's, it's rock. He was known as Petros. Rock is, is the kind of, we, we know mostly by the Greek, Peter. But, but, but that's, that's both the same. He says, you shall be called this. And what he's doing in naming him is it's sort of like he's claiming him as part of his team. And he's, he's calling him to this thing. He doesn't, Peter has no clue what this, what this name is going to like work itself out to be. But in this moment, what Jesus is doing is he sees Peter. Peter is compelled to follow. He believes that he is the Messiah. He's heard. He's responded. He wants to follow. And he's like, you shall now be called Peter, the rock. I'm going to do some great things with you. I'm going to build off of you. I'm going to use you. This is what he is doing. I think it's worth pointing out, this is, again, kind of an origin story. Uh, Notice how the second disciple that began to follow Jesus is not mentioned here. I think a case, a good case can be made. That's because the second disciple that that was following John and now following Jesus is actually John, the gospel writer. John never names himself throughout the entire gospel. Again, he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved, the beloved disciple. And so my guess is, and I, I, you know, many... (laughs) Smarter people would agree with me, but, but that this is John coming as well. So it was John and Andrew that began to follow. And what did they do? They, they went and they found Simon Peter. And see, that's what the compelled do. The compelled are quick to bring others along, right? He said, hey, we found the Messiah. Let me, let me take you to him. Let me show you who he is. And this is often what we uh, want to do, is it not? Right? Like if you're compelled by something, do you not want to tell others about it? Man, there was a new Mexican place that opened over in Verona, and uh, my wife and I are always trying to find good, authentic Mexican. And so, and there's not that much of it around here. If you know of a spot that I haven't tried, tell me, because I'd love to check it out. But this new Mexican place opened, and man, the week after, I think I told like several people as I'm interacting, I'm like, hey, we went to a Mexican place. It's really good. You got to try it. Right? Why? Because I'm compelled by, like, I'm like, I'm so excited about this Mexican place. I want you to know about this Mexican place, too. We have some friends visiting this weekend. Where did I take them? I took them to the Mexican place. I'm like, you got to know, this is so good. It's amazing. They agreed. They thought it was awesome, too. They were maybe being nice, but they, they agreed. See, here's the thing, is that when you're compelled by what Jesus is doing, you don't have to kind of foster or sort of make this up. It is something that flows from you. Some of you have said, we've kind of talked about this in, in our small group a little bit, is that 
you know, we'd like to grow in our ability, our desire to share Jesus. If you would express that, like you want to be more compelling to others and share about what Christ has done, I think you need to be reminded of what Christ has done in your own life first. Because if you're reminded, if you remember, if it's fresh, if you're experiencing the life that Christ is bringing in your life, then you can't but talk about it. Some of you know people that are so good at this. Why? Because they're so closely following after Jesus. I mean, Andrew and John, uh, they, they, they understood, they knew who Jesus was, and they couldn't wait to bring. And that's the other thing that I love, too, is you see, where do some of these invitations come from? So many times, we're going to see a workplace sort of relationship that happens in a minute. This is a family relationship. Many of you have stories that your parents, your grandparents, your sibling, your aunt, your uncle told you about Jesus. I love that. That's so good. Right? Sometimes I think we're kind of, I've, I've met people in the church that have grown up and they're like, well, I've always kind of been a part of this. I've always sort of believed. And somehow that's like, you know, downgrades the experience. I think the opposite of true. I've said it before and I'll say it a thousand more times, but I want my children to have super boring testimonies, right? I want them to meet Jesus at a young age, make a decision to follow Jesus at a young age and then follow him faithfully all the days of their life, right? That's the story that I, I, I hope that is told. My uh, third daughter, Ruth, is getting baptized in the next service and that's her story. She's gonna share that she came to know Jesus like, She's, she's 10. She came to know Jesus like a year, year and a half ago when she was like eight or nine. And that's when she first put her faith and trust in Jesus. I hope that that's the story for the rest of her days, that she follows faithfully after the Lord forever. But there's something special about bringing and pointing family to Jesus. I would just encourage you. I sometimes, I think you feel like maybe you don't have the voice in your family. Continue to pray. Continue to work on that relationship. God can use that to point. I don't know how Andrew and Simon's relationship was, but God used Andrew to bring Simon to the Lord. And then by doing so, many, many were impacted because of Peter's decision to begin following Jesus. We see that he engages the compelled. He put Peter on mission and pointed him uh, toward that and, and, and sent him off on the mission. Let's continue on. Let's look at just verse uh, 43. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Here's the third way that we see that Jesus engages another starting point here. Uh, he seeks out the distant. He seeks out the distant. They're in the southern part of uh, the Jordan River, um, further south from, from Galilee. Well, notice what it says there. Who's 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 the action? Who's the one who's taking action here in this verse? It says the next day, Jesus, he decided to do what? To go to Galilee, right? So he seeks out a new area, a new place. And he found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Now we don't know. Maybe there had been some interactions or something before. We see that Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Uh, Philip um, I think knew probably Andrew and Peter, I'm guessing again from sort of the workplace, they were fishers, uh, fishermen, and so that was kind of a fishing village, and so there's a good chance that's where Philip would have known them from, but they go to Galilee, he finds Philip, and he engages him, he seeks out the distant. I think it's just such a good reminder, sometimes some of you, you have that story here. You were just kind of minding your own business, doing your own thing, 
Some of you that was going okay, some of that that was going super rough. And then Jesus, like out of nowhere, he started chasing you down. He started seeking you out. He's the one who found you. That's exactly what he did with Philip. He went there, he found him, and he said to him, follow me. He seeks out the distant. I think that's such a good reminder here for us, right? That it's Jesus who seeks, it's Jesus who saves. We are part of the team, we're part of the the witness that we get to give, but notice this, that, that Jesus is also the one who's doing that. Let's continue on, verse 44. I want you to see this next one. It says, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. All right, let me just kind of pause there for a second. Um, Philip, we're gonna see Philip a few other times. Uh, We meet him, I think, three times. Every time we see Philip, Philip is bringing someone to Jesus. I love that, right? Every time we see Philip, Philip's bringing someone to Jesus. So he goes and he finds Nathanael and he said to him, hey, we found the Messiah. But he doesn't say it the same way that Andrew does. He kind of unpacks it a little more. And this is so good, right? What does he say? He says, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. He's like, you know those Old Testament scriptures that we've been studying since we were boys, right? All that that we've been looking for, everything that we've been studying and scouring and looking for, we found him. We found the one who has been foretold, who's been prophesied. Who is it? It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now this would have, like, again, to us, we sort of know Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, that that makes total sense. That would not have, like, inspired confidence and kind of brought about, um, you know, kind of confirm these two things. It's like, hey, I found the Messiah. Awesome. Who is he? Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. What? Like, it, that's kind of the response that it would have had. Look at this. I'll show it to you. He says, he says, Nathaniel said to him, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, I don't know if there was kind of a beef that like he had, you know, with Nazareth. I think he's from like Canaan, which isn't like Cana, which isn't a, a crazy large town either. So maybe it's like kind of rural town, um, you know, uh, rivalry. And in fairness, Nazareth was sort of a dumpy rural town, like not a ton going on, not a ton of things happening. And so he's not right. But what he's really saying is he knows his scriptures. He knows who the Messiah is. The Messiah is going to establish a kingdom. He's going to lead the people. And so that type of person comes from Jerusalem. That type of person is born to royalty, to someone who's of privilege or special, but not Jesus. Jesus coming from Nazareth, and he's born to the, the carpenter. Joseph the carpenter, is that who you're talking about? Yeah, Joseph the carpenter. He's like, what? Like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then I love this. What does Philip do? He's just a witness, right? Not his job to convince. He's just trying to tell him. He says, come and see. Different starting point, same invitation. Come and see. So he brought him to Jesus. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Uh, There's a little bit of language play kind of going on here. He's basically like, hey, here's an Israelite with no Jacob in him. Jacob was a deceiver. And so there's a little bit of kind of this word play that's happening. And he's like, hey, you tell it like it is. You're an honest man. I, I recognize that. I see that. We just saw that, right? Like he finds out these messiahs. Like, are you sure? There's no deceit in him. Nathaniel said, how do you know me? So he doesn't deny it. He's like, yeah, that's the shoe fits. 
I'll, I'll, I'll wear that, right? I, I, I don't really play games. I, I kind of speak it like it is, say it like it is. He's like, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. He's not saying like, hey, you know, that fig tree up there on the hill, I saw you sitting there. He's saying, you know that fig tree, like way over there? I don't even know. We don't even have a timestamp. Maybe it wasn't even that day. But, but he's saying, you know when you sat under that fig tree and had that spiritual encounter, that significant moment with God? You know that? He's like, when you were under that fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. One of the most straightforward, plain as day declarations that's made in the whole book. Jesus answered him, because I have said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? He's like, let me give you the Pastor Dave version here. He's like, you like that? That's why you believe? He's like, you ain't seen nothing yet, right? Like there is so much more coming. He says, you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angel of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Again, a little bit of throwback to Old Testament reference there. Uh, there was the, the dream, right? Um, and the, the, the dream that Jacob had of, of the... Um, Jacob's ladder, right? The, the, the angels were, were ascending and descending down this ladder. But, but notice what's missing here in this version. There's not a ladder. What is it? It says, I'm the son of man. He's like, I'm the ladder. I'm the access point. I'm the, the gateway, the, the, the passageway between heaven and earth. I am the way that this is going to happen. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened. Here's the fourth thing that we see. Jesus wins the skeptic. Jesus wins the skeptic. And if I could, I just want to kind of land here and, and finish out our time with this point. Because um, I don't have to tell you, you live in this city just like I do. You interact with people around you just like I do. You have neighbors, you have coworkers, you read the news. We live in a very skeptical city. Is that fair? That's a fair assessment, right? <laughs> They're not super excited about Jesus, most people that I encounter. Some of them have reason for that. Some of them, you know, maybe there's past hurt, trauma, things that came through or from Christians or from a church. That's sad, super understandable, sad. But there's a lot of people that don't want to give Jesus the time of day, right? They, have, they want nothing to do with him. And it's really interesting because, you know, of all the people that have ever lived, there's never been one person who has had more impact, who more books have been written about, right? More sermons, more, more words have been spoken about than, than the person of Jesus Christ. And yet we have a majority of our city that wants to just write him off. And I know for you and me, if you're a follower of Jesus, you might be in this place where you're like, man, that's really hard to live. Some of you, maybe you're here and you're like, I, I'm a skeptic. And that's okay. Skeptics are welcome here. You are welcome to come. You are welcome to, to hear. In fact, this is the best place for you to be. But notice, notice Philip is a skeptic, right? He says, hey, let me tell you about this Jesus. He is who we've been looking for. He is the one that was written about by Moses and all the prophets the skepticism, right, comes out. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Are you sure, right? You sure you got the right one? Is this really him? What did Philip say? He said, come and see. Listen, church, this is such a good reminder for us. It's Jesus who wins the skeptic. 
What does scripture call those that follow him? What was the commission? What did Jesus say to his followers? He says, you will be my what? You will be my witnesses. Now, I don't know the last time you watched one of those, you know, trials or, or um, uh, you know, kind of seen a courtroom scene or, or something like that in a movie or, or whatever, but witnesses have the job of just telling what they saw and what they, uh, what they observed, right? It's the job of the attorney, the lawyer, to convince the judge or convince the jury of what needs to be determined, right? That's his job. The witness is not trying to convince anybody. He's just saying, hey, let me just tell you what I saw, right? This is my story. This is what I observed. And then they can kind of take and sort of convince that. Listen, I think we need to be reminded that it is not our job to win people to Christ. Like, yes, we're a part of it. I know we use that language sometimes, but our job is just to witness to what we have observed, what Christ has done in our life. And that's it. Essentially, what we need to do is we need to get a whole lot better at this come and see ministry. When we run into a skeptic, I think sometimes our first is like, well, let's go to bat, right? Let's, let's, let's get in the cage. Let's duke this thing out, you know? And, and, and I've got my verses. I've got my kind of backgrounds. I got my proof text. I got all these things kind of in place. And we're trying to like win the skeptic. And I just don't know that that's the tactic or that's the thing that Jesus would have us do. Again, we, we said, it says in scripture, give defense of your faith. I'm not saying that you don't know your Bible, don't be ready to answer questions. We wanna, like, we don't believe just purely on, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, we have faith, but there's, there's facts, there's, there's things that the faith is put in. We have good reason for our beliefs. But what we're saying is that's not going to win anybody. That's not what was happening with Philip here. He said, listen, you're skeptical. Nathaniel, you're, you, don't, you don't believe? Well, then you need to just come and see. See for yourself. And what happens when he came and see? Well, Jesus speaks into his heart, right? From the first thing that he says to him, he says, hey, I know who you are. You tell it like it is. You're not a deceiver. He's like, how do you know me? He goes on to say, he says something that only he would have known. He's like, I saw you under that fig tree. He's like, no one saw me under that fig tree. That was just me and God. And that is why he was able to declare what he was able to do. He saw, he understood that this man, this Jesus of Nazareth, had knowledge that no one else could have. That's why he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus won him. Jesus convinced him. Jesus was the one who did that. And so listen, I just want to, again, extend the invitation. And this is to... Uh, these are, this is to unbelievers and believers alike. If you're here and you're saying, hey, I'm in the seat of the skeptic. I'm in the seat of the curious. I'm in the seat of the unconvinced. John's account of Jesus is for you. The invitation is this, that you would come and you would see. Again, don't read about Jesus. Come and look at Jesus himself. Seek after Jesus himself. What you will find is you will find he is who he says he is. He will deliver on what he has promised every single time. You're gonna find someone that, you're, that is unlike anyone else that you've ever met before. And to the believer, if you've been following Jesus for some time, the invitation is the same. Maybe your starting point was a long time ago, but the invitation is, again, come and see. Come and be reminded. Come and learn afresh about who Jesus is. In doing so, he wants to engage you. He wants to put you on mission. He wants to reorient some of the distractions that you may have. He wants to remind you of his, his truth and his purposes for your life. 
That is what Jesus is doing. He is engaging those who are compelled. And the invitation is that we would come and see. I started by asking you the question, how did we get here? How did you get here? Again, your version might look a little different, but I think it's this. I think you got here because you see something that God is doing. You understand that Jesus is unique and that he is at work. And maybe you're still in that seat of the skeptic, but for many of you, you've believed now you're here because you want to grow and do more and understand more. So in the same way, what are you seeking? Let's seek after Jesus himself. Let's seek after who he is, what he's done, what he's said, that we would learn and see him uh, together. Such a good reminder, such a helpful uh, challenge for us this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for inviting us to know you. God, that knowing you, that we would believe in you, and that by believing in you, that we would have life in your name. Lord, this is gonna be um, a regular reminder for us as we continue to walk through the story of your uh, life, God, your ministry, your teachings together. And Lord, I thank you for my own story that I, as a young, young boy, Lord, heard of who you were and made the choice to put my faith, my trust in you. But Jesus, I've continued to follow you. I have found you to be faithful. Lord, I have found you to be who you say you are. Lord, I have found you to be worthy of praise. And so, God, I just ask that you would continue to work that out in all of our hearts, in all of our lives, that we would be reminded of, of, of just how great you are. God, thank you for enduring our skepticism. God, for welcoming our questions. God, for your patience when we are uh, probably not as quick as we should be. But Lord, you are a good and loving, caring, kind God. And so we give you praise. We give you honor for that. We thank you for that. God, would you be glorified in all that we say and do. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.